Can China save us all before it's too late? And now it's a question that comes up fairly regularly. Anytime the global economy heads into a soft patch, a downturn, maybe recession, it's fair for some to ask whether or not the Chinese government will step up to the plate and save us all from impending doom. To go back into the Keynesian textbook, to do massive government stimulus in order to generate economic activity in China that spills over beneficially to the rest of the world. Now that had been the way it had been characterized previously, that in past years, China would do massive government programs. And that's not really what people are asking today. Today, it's more about the pandemic. Will the Chinese government simply get out of the way enough, long enough, to allow China's economy to be reborn and thereby save us all from what looks to be an impending global recession? It's something that the Secretary General of OPEC said on Bloomberg TV earlier today, thinking maybe with the Chinese data in the fourth quarter, which we'll get to in a minute, that didn't seem all that bad, now the government changing its tune about pandemic restrictions, perhaps, as he said, we can be cautiously optimistic about 2023. Just in the nick of time, Xi Jinping grows a conscience. Xi Jinping, of all people, becomes a little bit less insane, allowing China enough space to save us all from impending doom. Well, one place where this, this idea, well, first of all, this idea has gained favor in certain, part, certain parts, certainly of the mainstream media, as well as in certain markets. But one place it hasn't, and this is a big one, is in Germany of all places, the German financial curve. You have to see what's going on with the German bond curve, which I'll get to in a minute. But overall, the question is being asked, can the lockdowns being removed in, in China, can that political shift be enough to save the global economy, not just China, but the entire global economy from what looks to be a pretty bad fate? We're going to talk about that topic. We're going to investigate. We're going to see what the Germans have to say about it next. But first, I'm Jeff. This is your Rodale University. Welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. Again, you know what's coming. Memberships, exclusive videos, understanding money, markets, economy, all that stuff. Eurodollar.university. We've got exclusive memberships, as I said. Also, research subscriptions. We get into the details behind all of these things that are going on. Why do you care about China? Why do we care about the German bun curve. And if you don't, why you should? All that stuff at our, at our research subscriptions, information available, eurodollar.university. Well, one reason why the Secretary General of OPEC was cautiously optimistic in his own words was that the fourth quarter in December data from China came out last night, and it wasn't as horrible as many had been expecting. And that's being interpreted as See what happens if you get out of the way. If we get rid of these ridiculous government restrictions for the pandemic, then China's economy has a ton of pent up demand that is just waiting to be unleashed. And I look at that and say, what are these people talking about? Because when you look at the Chinese economic situation and the statistics that show it and represent it, what you're really saying is, what we're really seeing is that most people are becoming normalized to incredibly low numbers. Instead of saying these numbers look good and they're therefore are painting the, the way forward to a much better, more robust future, 
were saying they're not as horrific as they had been, say, in March. And therefore, that means China's back in a better, might, might be in a better place. But they're also forgetting what happened after the March lockdowns were lifted. The big ones in Shanghai and the, especially the, the, the eastern coast port facilities, all the manufacturing that gets done in those places. After those lockdowns had been, had been lifted starting in May and into June, that was supposed to have led to a Chinese renaissance back then. A huge boost that we could, that the global economy could use given the situation that was developing even back then at mid-year 2022. And nothing. It fizzled. Now, the reason it fizzled, people are saying, well, China never really removed all of those restrictions. Therefore, that kept a lid on what was supposed to be a robust recovery. But was that really the case? Was it really the pandemic that kept China from really contributing as much as the global economy needed at a crucial moment in economic developments? Or was it the other way around? Was it the looming global recession, the, the falling off of economic activity around the rest of the world, including China's major trade partners? And remember, Chinese economy is still a huge part of the global manufacturing center. And if that's the case, then we have to look at the end of 2022 very differently because the global economy at the end of 2022 was in far, far, far worse shape than it had been in mid-year. So if it's the global economy that's the overriding influence here on China, therefore everything else, then is even as the Chinese economy reopens to start 2023, completely without the same pandemic restrictions, once the waves of, of the disease go through China, maybe it's not going to, it's, it's like the last part or the mid, middle part of last year, maybe China doesn't have all that much bounce in it. And when you look at the economic data that was released yesterday, the big three accounts, industrial production, retail sales, and fixed asset investment, along with, since it's the quarter, end of the quarter, we get fourth quarter GDP. Um, yes, they were all better than expected, but that doesn't really say all that much. When you put these data, put the data into the context, not of the pandemic restrictions or just the last year, but in the context of where the Chinese economy has been heading for multiples of years, as well as what the communist leadership is actually saying when they talk about the economy, there isn't much, it really isn't much uh, to be optimistic about. There really isn't much setting up here for a major robust recovery. Okay, let's get to the data. GDP quarter over quarter, so seasonally adjusted according to the NBS, National Bureau of Statistics there. They're saying that the third quarter GDP and the fourth quarter GDP were practically the same. It was supposed to contract a little according to some analyst estimates. Uh, year, uh, year over year, Q4 was 2.9% more than in Q4 of 2021. And for the full year of 2022 compared to full year 2021, GDP advanced only 3% when the government said at the start of the year, knowing that it was going to do restrictions, pandemics and everything else, politics, they thought it was going to be five and a half percent. They said, we're going to, we're going to try to get the economy to five and a half percent growth. It turns out they were about half off. Retail sales contracted by 1.8 percent year over year in December, uh, compared to minus 5.5 percent in November when everything was really restricted. 
Chinese industrial production focused externally. We know exports were down, especially in November, December. Industrial production rose only 1.3% year over year compared to 2.2%. Again, suggesting external factors more than internal factors. And here's another one, fixed asset investment. Fixed asset investment overall on an accumulated basis, which means we're comparing all the entire year, January to December fixed asset investments to January to December of the previous year. 5.1% in 2022, which is not good. Private fixed asset investment, 0.9%, really not good. Uh, especially when you consider private fixed asset investments over the second half of the year was likely contracting in all of those months, no matter what was going on, pandemic restrictions. That's a, that's a key point here. Whether the parts of the country's cities and regions were locked down, whether they weren't locked down, private fixed asset investment, which is the engine of Chinese growth, tumbled. It fell. It fell sharply in a way we haven't seen since briefly in 2016. So it had nothing to do with the pandemic restriction. You see that in the real estate and uh, housing sector numbers that were also put out for the quarter for the year. Total real estate fell at a 10% rate, year over year rate in December. The main reason for housing weakness was because Chinese, the Chinese real estate and development sector basically stopped building new things. Newly started residential projects down 39.8%. Newly started office projects down 39.1%. These are in December, year over year numbers. Newly started commercial business projects, commercial business premises, minus 41.9% year over year. Now we've heard from certain people that the Chinese government are now saying, okay, we, we saw our error. We saw that the economy was going in the wrong direction. We saw that the Chinese currency was dropping lower and lower and lower. And I think that is what explains the U-turn in the zero COVID policy is that China saw its currency as well as economy heading toward oblivion toward the end of November, October into November and said, we need to do something here. But what, what, is, what is it they're actually going to do? Other than just getting out of the way and saying, we're not going to lock down cities anymore, is China going back into the Keynesian textbook? Are they doing things, pro, are they make, taking proactive steps to support the economy? And the answer is, yeah, but they're, they're the same proactive steps, if you could call them that, that, have been that Xi, Xi Jinping's government has been doing since the 19th Party Congress. Here's the opening, the opening paragraph from the press release in, I guess this is, this is Google's translated version of it, for uh, the press release from the National Bureau of Statistics announcing China's uh, econo big economic releases this, to today. In 2022, facing the turbulent international environment and the arduous domestic reform, hmm, development and stability task under the strong leadership of the party central committee with comrade Xi Jinping at the core, all regions and departments will conscientiously implement the decisions and deployments of the party central committee and state council. And here's the real point. And adhere to the principle of stability. Stability, not rapid economic growth. Continuing, 
The general tone of China's progress and work effectively coordinate the epidemic prevention and control in economic and social development and effectively respond to internal and external challenges. The national economy has withstood the pressure and continued to develop. Of course, they're going to say that. The economic aggregate has reached a new level, which everybody says, hey, look, it's a new high. It's only slightly less than the previous high, but it's a new high. New achievements have been made, this is an important point, in quality development, quality of economic growth. That is a 19th Party Congress theme, part of Xi Jinping thought. And finally, the overall economic and social situation is harmonious, and there's that word again, stable. If you hear what the Chinese authorities are saying, all they're concerned about is stability. In my, what I call that, and I have for years, is managed decline. They're going to let economic forces, including external economic forces, dictate where Chinese, China's economy is going to go, with the important caveat that they don't want it to spiral out of control. So what the Chinese are doing, looking backward on 2022, is saying, it got a little bit too dicey there, especially toward the end. We need to loosen the reins a little bit. Not a lot, a little bit. Just enough so that we can keep the situation stable. We're not going to try to restart China as it was once known many, many years ago, more than a decade ago. We're simply trying to limit the downside. That's a, that's a significant difference from what I think uh, as the OPEC Secretary General was saying, cautiously optimistic. Yes, China is no longer strangled by the politics of the pandemic like it had been, but that doesn't necessarily mean China is about to be reborn and be reborn strong enough to save the rest of the world from the looming recession. So the Chinese are saying, we just want to limit the downside. At the same time, a massive downside continues to emerge across the global economy. So China's trying to cushion the blow that it expects to receive from the external environment. Again, it's a very different characterization than China's going to save the world with a robust, robust recovery. They're interested in stability and stability alone, sensing that there's impending trouble coming from outside in. They're loosening up only enough to make sure that the downside does not spiral into complete and utter disaster. We still, we, I guess I said before, we keep seeing this downside happen, especially here in the United States, but also in Europe. In the US today, just to go over it briefly, the Empire Manufacturing Survey, we talk about manufacturing quite a bit, the inventory cycle, all that stuff, which very much in China's wheelhouse. Remember, China still makes a lot of goods for the rest of the world. If we're seeing a dramatic drop off in US manufacturers, it's probably similar for China. And we did. The Empire Fed went from minus 11.2, which wasn't good in November, or excuse me, December, to minus 32.9 in January. Big, big drop. And that 30, minus 32.9 was bigger, was less than the low produced in August. When, when the regional Fed manufacturing surveys in July and August said something big had changed back then, which of course we, we know, the downshift in the manufacturing economy. Now we're starting to see again, November, December, January, more indications that the manufacturing economy downshifted even further. 
new orders at the Empire Fed, minus 31.1, again, lower than the August low. That was compared to minus 3.6 in December. Now, the Empire Fed is often volatile, but look at the direction these things are going. Look at the lows in them. And yes, it's only a regional Fed survey, but it's one survey that's consistent with everything else. The global economy is falling off. Over in Europe, getting closer to bringing in our German Bund component here, there's also a report in Bloomberg that the ECB, according to unnamed sources, is starting to rethink their rate hikes. And the reason they put out is because improvement in inflation and improvement in their inflation forecast. But as I've been talking about for quite some time, improvement in consumer price pressures isn't necessarily improvement in the general economy. In fact, it might just be, given everything that we've been talking about in this show so far, that the real, the real improvement in consumer prices isn't because rate hikes are working as they're designed and central bankers are engineering a soft landing, but instead another warning sign the economy has turned, the global economy has turned, and it is heading toward impending disaster. When you look at what the Chinese are doing, they're getting prepared for something like that, as are major participants in financial markets. I've talked about Eurodollar futures, talked about the U.S. Treasury yield curve. Those are hedging instruments. And now we have the most unprecedented of them all, the German Bund curve. Look at what has done since the start of this year. It had been modestly steep at the front end, the one-year and two-year maturities, that has completely disappeared in just a couple weeks of trading of 2023. In terms of what the what the what that means and interpreting the, the curve shape, more and more hedging against economic scenarios, monetary scenarios, financial scenarios, volatility, all those types of things. Not the kind of thing where you would expect China to save the world, instead, the opposite. That this impending Recession, maybe worse, is becoming such a problem that no matter what anybody does, we're getting more and more locked into that situation. And the improvement in consumer price pressures is confirmation of this shift. So when we look around the, the, the microeconomic data, the financial markets, it's the opposite. It's not cautiously optimistic. It's that China is preparing for more downside, trying to manage its risks, as are financial markets. And what are those risks? The risk to China as well as everybody else. This isn't going to be some kind of Goldilocks soft landing, at least not likely to be. It's likely to affect everybody, including China. And the date when everybody realizes this, including central bankers, is getting closer and closer. That's the, sure, the, the shifts in these various curves. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as our research subscribers. If you're interested in what they're doing, what they're getting, the information is available at our website, eurodollar.university. Until next time, take care.